We got a chance to open up God's Word this morning. If you're able, would you grab a, a Bible and head over to Ephesians 4, uh, chapter, well, chapter 4, verse 25 is where we're going to be beginning. Uh, this is our, our second week that we've been in this passage, which you might have forgotten because there's a week in the middle here. Um, and last time we focused on the putting off of the old self and, and the sense of the use of our words and the way we might tear others down and, uh, and honesty and various ways that we use our words uh, and putting on our words in the sense of building each other up in a positive use of our words. Uh, and so this next week we're going to be focusing on the Christian heart and all that this passage has to say about that. But this week we're going to narrow our focus into one verse, verse 28. Uh, in short, in this verse, we're going to be seeing how the old self steals to keep for itself while the new self in Christ uh, works to give. Uh, we're going to read the whole passage, though, verse 25 all the way through 32, uh, and ask you to follow along with me in your own Bibles there before you. Verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his, with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from, from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. The grass withers, the flower fades. Let's pray. O oh Lord, you have given us hands. And these hands may be used for evil purposes and in ways that bring shame upon your good name. But these hands may also be used for good that brings glory to your name and joy to our lives. And teach us this morning from your word and apply what we learn to our hearts that we might honor you as our generous provider and our God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So like I said, our focus today is there in verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And what we're seeing here is this, this is this seeable picture of conversion, of the transformation of, of how we relate to both wealth and how we relate to others around us. Um, you see, in, in Jesus what we're seeing is, is the taker now becomes the giver. This is the transformation we're seeing. The person who, who robbed others for his own selfish gain in Christ is now to do honest work so that he might contribute to the needs of others. If you were here two weeks ago, you might remember the picture of the caterpillar and, and the butterfly. And just like the caterpillar who, who spent her days devouring plants after the transformation into a butterfly, now spends her day nourishing plants as, as she pollinates, um, stealing quite simply, you know, is, that's what we're seeing here, this transportation or transformation. And so stealing, I, I know you have a general idea. At the most simple level, it is uh, taking what has not been given to you. 
Anything that falls under that would certainly be stealing. The truth is that uh, we often find ourselves living for the things of this world, and when that is the case, we're going to find that we are more tempted to do something like stealing. You see, when we think that this world is, is all there is, if that's our, our mindset and our worldview and the way we function, what we're going to find is that that's going to lead to this, this selfish consumption of everything that the world has to offer us. That's where we're going to find ourselves looking for joy. Um, you might remember Jesus' warning in Matthew six nineteen through 21. Uh, there Christ says this. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then again in, in 1 John 2.15-17, uh, we, we learn this. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. Now, if you're like me, it's easy to read a passage like this and just skip over it real quick because you're imagining this thief as uh, a pickpocket uh, or someone that is shoplifting and you think, okay, I don't do those things. I'm good. I'm not a thief. And, and you just kind of move on. I don't know who Paul's talking about, but it's not me. Um, I think it helps if we get a broader, wider view of, of what stealing looks like in our culture. Uh, I'll tell you, when I was in, uh, in junior high, this was back when your options were cable and antenna for your TV, uh, and my antenna got about four stations outside of Houston. And uh, what I found was that the channels I wanted to watch were on cable, MTV, ESPN, things of that nature. Uh, and, and lucky for me, in the back of our yard was the big box, was the main box where all the cable came into uh, our region of the neighborhood. And so uh, one day I decided I will go out there and I pry open the box. And I actually get this incredibly long coax cable and drag it across my yard and right into the, the window of my stepfather's house. Um, and I enjoyed ESPN and TV for a few hours uh, before my stepfather came home and saw this incredibly obvious uh, wire going through the, the yard here. Uh, and upon seeing this, he saw the crime that had just been committed, and I gave a junior high explanation of how this was a victimless crime. No one's losing anything here. Uh, it shouldn't be considered wrong in, in any way at all. Uh, so what happened after that is I lost my cable uh, very quickly, uh, but I really continued on in life with that same reasoning of the victimless uh, crime. See, my, my freshman year of college, there was this, this rumor, there was this guy named Beaker in the dorm next to my dorm who apparently had just about every song that's ever been, sang on, uh, ever been made on his computer, and if you could find Beaker, you could get him to make you a CD with any songs you wanted on it. You younger people are like, yeah, so what? Um, this was huge at the time. You couldn't do that. Uh, and, and so I did. I, I found him, and I, and I burned the CD, and it was amazing. He explained this thing called MP3s to me. It made no sense to me then. still didn't make a lot of sense to me. All I knew was free music. And then this progresses through history. At, at Texas A&M, they actually networked everyone's computers in the dorms to each other. Uh, there wasn't a lot of security going on, and so you could look on other people's computer hard drives for any songs they might have and just copy them over to your computer. And then this thing called Napster came out. Only you old people might remember this. It was beautiful. You could download every song you've ever wanted from some program, and it was all absolutely free. That is, until the U.S. government confirmed what we all actually knew in our hearts, we were stealing music. 
the whole thing was uh, shut down for a while and never quite took off. These things continue. Today there is BitTorrent or some equivalent to that where you can uh, you know, make it easy for you to steal books and TV and movies and video games and anything else almost. And, and here's the deal. I understand how easy it is to justify these kinds of stealing. They, they charge too much for movies. I wouldn't go see it anyway. Uh, you know, I can't find this show on Netflix, so what else can I do but take it? Uh, and you've got to just come to terms. This is part of our, our walking with the Lord. We come to terms with things like, this is stealing. It absolutely is. Um, we also find people stealing education. And what I mean by that is, uh, students, when you use your book for an online exam that you're not allowed to use a book for, that is stealing a grade that you were not given. Uh, it just is. Uh, you know, uh, how do we handle shipping errors? Say Amazon sends you two of something. Woohoo, right? I mean, do you ever consider maybe letting them know? They're probably going to let you keep it anyway, but do you let them know that they've sent you two to see what they want you to do with it? Um, or sketchy returns, you know? We're always tempted to tell some alternate story. I, I know Laura and her, her college roommate, this girl named Missy, their sophomore year, moved out of the dorm, they go into an apartment, and they go to Best Buy and they buy this brand new TV. First day they go home uh, to their apartment, they have no place to put it. So uh, this is the old TVs with the glass and they weigh about as much as a couch, just incredibly heavy things. Uh, and they decide they're gonna stack these, these three laundry baskets up by alternating them each direction uh, until they get that up. Girl's amazing at grammar. Neither of them were an engineering major, clearly. Uh, ironically, they watched the movie Clueless right before going to bed. Sometime in the middle of the night, the TV crumbles off the top of that thing, shatters on the ground, smashing the front of it. Uh, and, and the two of them figure, well, it must be under warranty. We just bought it yesterday. Uh, and so sure enough, they carry this broken TV back into Best Buy and they present it to the man and say, uh, we have no idea what happened. Can we exchange this for a new one? I mean, to be fair, they got creative in their lying. Uh, we really were sleeping. We really don't know what happened because we were sleeping. Um, and sure enough, the guy says, yeah, that is not a warranty defect right there. Uh, sent them out the door with their broken TV. If they want another one, they're going to have to buy it. And, and, and these are the things that happen all the time, though, is kind of that, what story do I have to tell to get what I want in this situation? That's ways we're stealing. Uh, people steal when they're cheating on their taxes. I remember years ago being with a, a Christian school group, and we were at this low course, uh, course thing where they were trying to teach character building and whatnot. Uh, and the lady in charge that had this phrase, she said, uh, at some point she says, well, everyone cheats on their taxes. And, and me and the other adult present with us kind of looked at each other like, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> She's teaching character to our children right now. Uh, <laughs> We had to explain later, no, no, not everyone cheats on their taxes. She clearly does, but not everyone. <laughs> uh, in Mark 12, Jesus says, render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar. What he means is if you owe taxes to the state, give taxes to the state. And if you don't pay it or you find some sneaky way around it, then that is stealing. So that's a, a few ways. You could probably expand this to all sorts of things in your life. Uh, but so then what we're, we're seeing here is, is God is teaching that instead of stealing, we are to work. That's the first part of what he's teaching here. Uh, so let me give you just a real quick uh, two-minute warning version of a theology of work. <clears throat> first of all, God ordains that humans work. Uh, he did so before Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. 
Uh, work was part of the paradise. I know that's hard to imagine for some of you, but work was part of what they were doing in the garden. And so work is good. Work is a gift of the Lord. What changed after the fall with work is that now work is difficult. Now labor is going to be frustrating sometimes. And, and also in the garden, what, what, what God sets up is this pattern that sets, uh, he sets this pattern for his creatures that we are to, to work six days and we are to rest for the seventh. And you've got to think outside of the idea of just the thing you go to and get paid for is work. You know, mowing your lawn is also work. Um, and, and what we're learning from this pattern is that uh, it means we cannot be lazy and we also cannot become such workaholics that, that, and still be honoring the Lord who has gifted us with both work and rest. And so he gives us this pattern for our life. One of the things we learn is that working is expected. And in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, um, this might sound kind of harsh. This is in the word of God. That's why I tell you this. Um, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now, such persons we commend and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. So there's this call that we ought to be working. It's good for us. We also find that uh, while as Christians, our primary identity is in Jesus Christ, always in Jesus Christ, our work does become uh, a secondary identity for us in some regard. What's the first question someone asks you when they meet you? What do you do, right? Except when you're in college, they ask you, what's your major? And what they really mean is, what are you going to do? Um, these are the questions we ask. Uh, and so then all vocations, well, all right, most vocations, not the oldest, um, are godly vocations if you faithfully do them in a God-honoring way. Um, don't, don't falsely believe, and I think this is a warning we need to give in Christian situations, churches and whatnot, uh, don't falsely believe that vocational ministry is somehow the important stuff and everything else is not important. Whatever you know, you're planning to do in, in life is, is an important thing that needs to be done. And we need more faithful Christians in the workplace. We need more faithful Christians in politics, in the military, in education. We even need more faithful Christians digging a hole next to some other guy who's digging a hole who needs to hear the gospel, who needs to see that witness in his life. And the Lord also works through vocations. I don't know if you think about this. Dan Doriani, he's a pastor in St. Louis and at seminary, Covenant Seminary, says this. He says, when we ask for daily bread, God gives it to us through farmers, bakers, and grocers. So let us discern God's presence in and through our work. I mean, God is working in these various vocations, and, and they're good. Work is good tell you something else. Wealth is good. Wealth can be dangerous, but it is good. Now, there, there's three ways that we can actually find ourselves relating to, to wealth. We can be thieves who, who gain wealth via sinful means. That's first way. Uh, the second way is we can do honest work so that we have wealth in an honorable manner for ourselves. That's the second way, but that's, that's not what Paul is teaching here, is it? You see this in, in your text there. I mean, look at that. Paul's teaching us something much more radical than that. That's kind of the American dream right there. The, the third way that we can relate to, to wealth is, is working so you can give to those in need. Now that's, that's not natural. But that is a Christian theology of wealth. Not steal to have. Not even work to have but work so that you can give to those who have need. 
You see, that properly reflects the nature of our God who graciously gives us, his children, all good things. That's why in, in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, uh, we're, we're, it teaches this. It says, as for the rich in this present age, let me just remind you, that's, that's most likely you. I know we tend to think of ourselves on a scale of the people around us in our culture, but um, worldly speaking, that's all of you. So don't, don't zone out right here. This is you. You're the rich person. Me too. Um, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. It's kind of prideful. Nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a, a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. See, we can be generous givers. We really can be generous givers because, uh, you know, but that begins with us being uh, gracious receivers from the hand of God, that we have gratitude recognizing all that God has given us. All that we have, we have by the mercy of the Lord, the gift of the Lord. And so our, our, our gratitude in receiving and our generosity in the way that we are giving to others are very, very closely tied together. Um, so, so we are to give generously. Acts 20, verse 35 teaches that. It says, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of, of the Lord Jesus himself, uh, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And so as God's creatures, we are to give. We are also to be productive. See, one of the strongest statements that we as Christians can make in the culture around us is the way that we are, we are generous, the way we are givers to those around us. And, and here's the thing. It, it's not only about money. It isn't. It's good to give money. Money is a, a commodity that can be used for, for much good, and, it, and it's certainly part of it, but, but giving in ways that benefit others can be other things as well. And, and here's what I mean. What I mean is that <clears throat> wealth is more than money. You, you may be wealthy in regards to skills, or knowledge or experience, maybe just time and the ability. You know, in other ways, you need to be asking ourselves, all of us asking ourselves, where can I give the wealth that I have without expecting something in return? Um, you know, a few years ago now, a rich machiner came, rich machiner came to our house with a, a wealth of knowledge and, and skill and experience in construction, and it helped us actually uh, build a, an extra bedroom onto to our home. That's wealth he had that I did not have. Um, last Wednesday, Rudy Prenz and, and Stucky, you know, uh, had, had a wealth of time and muscle compared to the rest of us there. Uh, and they helped Heidi to move a piano into her house. I mean, these are, are things that you find yourself with a wealth of and, and are able to help out with. And I, and I hope you really see that it is more than money. You have wealth in other areas. You know, even, even a homemaker works to give. To, to give to, to family, to give structure and healthy food and, uh, you know, to, to children. Uh, to give to the community she lives in. You, you also need to see that, that money is good. I know for Christians we struggle to see that sometimes. Money's not evil. It, it's good to earn money. And if your employer will give you a lot of money, that's great. That's good. Um, you work. You work for a home. You might even work so you can have a big home. That's not a bad thing. 
Uh, you can use that home to show hospitality, you know, to invite your, your in-laws to stay when they're here, for, for guests to stay, and to host church gatherings, other organizations gathering, things of that nature. It's good. See, money is good when it's put to good uses. Loving money is not good. Hoarding money is not good. You know, serving only our, ourselves with the money that we have, that's, that's not good, but money is good when we can put it to, the, to good uses. You know, that's the point of 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10, which tells us this. It says, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmless desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with, with many pangs. That's not talking about the person who, takes, who earns money and then spends it. It's the person that wants the money to serve themselves, to be rich, right? And so we're to give, if you're to make that real simple. The question is, is there how much should we give? Uh, according to this passage, simply put, we give enough to meet people's needs without creating our own need. It'd be foolish if you gave everything and then they had to go and beg for it, right? Um, who do we give to? That's the question. Uh, I'll say the church. You know, we, we, we need your generosity from, from money to, um, that you earn while, while working hard so that we can pay rent, my salary, print bulletins, pay for the rights to sing the music we sing, keep our website online, and a whole host of other things. However, I'll, I'll leave it at that because I, I don't want to say too much here because while other passages speak about that sort of giving, what Paul's focus here is in regards to giving from one person to, a, to another person. And so, you know, consider giving, you know, certainly to, to missionaries, um, to the Dunnings with, with RUF and the Castings and the Hardys with, with crew. It's a good places to give. To, uh, to some of these college students who are going to be going on these short-term mission trips in the summers, to, to give there is wonderful. To, to organizations in town that, that you research and you know have a good pulse on, on who needs help here in this town. Uh, Flint Hills Bread Basket, Shepherd's Crossing, Meals on Wheels, uh, the community uh, meal here in town. And, and also individuals in your life, and that's a big one that we don't think about often. You know, you interact with people. You know when someone has a need, whether it happens from medical or some storm. We've seen these hurricanes recently. Whatever it might be, it might just be, you know, lost a job and struggling. But, but to be able to give where you see need. Uh, and here's the thing with giving. It requires discernment if you're going to do it well. Um, because if you look here closely, it's saying that we are to give to the one who has what? Need. Not to the one who has want, but the one who has need. And discernment can be tough. It is hard to discern things sometimes. That's part of the beauty. Is this is going to make you wrestle with the situation, wrestle in prayer with the Lord, wrestle with what's going on here. But it's got to give you, engage you. Um, I'll say there was, a, there was a guy outside of Target a couple of weeks ago. Maybe some of you saw him. Uh, he had a big, giant red gas tank sitting next to him. And he held up a sign that said he needed money to buy gas to get his family back home. Um, and people were giving him money. And, and to be honest, I saw this and it, it frustrated me because I'd, I'd seen this picture before. Uh, it didn't seem to match up reasonably to me. And then uh, the very next weekend, Beckham and I were, were out and we were over at, uh, uh, by Hyvee on the other side of town and the same guy with the same gas can and the same sign. And since we pulled up behind him, we could see him kind of surfing through Facebook on his phone behind the sign that he's holding up. Um, 
And I'll ask you, should you give to this man? You know, um, I'll, I'll say this, you certainly can give to this man. Even you suspecting that it might be some sort of a sham, you certainly can. It wouldn't be sin to do so. It might not be the wisest use of your money, but, you know, for meeting needs, but you certainly can. Um, I admit, I, I didn't. I, I looked at this man and I found myself frustrated. And, I, and I'll be honest, I, I kept thinking about this man long after we left, and I started thinking, <clears throat> you know, I, I think I failed this man. Not because I didn't hand money through the window, um, but I didn't care about him. This, I didn't. I got so frustrated at what I was seeing. I was so focused on my perception that this man was lying about the need for gash that I never really stopped to care about him and wonder, okay, so what does this man need? Even if it was a scheme, no ordinary man stands on the side of the corner doing this. You know, like, There's something going on. He might not really need my money for gas to get his family home, but he needs something. Um, and I don't know what he needs. I can't answer the question of what he needs. And the reason is that I didn't take the time to ask him that question. I just kind of looked at him with disgust and kept going. Um, I should have stopped my car. I should have talked to him. You know, not just so I can get mad and prove my point, but to find out what's, what's really going on with this guy. You know, he needed something. He needed my kindness. He, he likely needed the gospel. And I, I have a wealth of that, having received it from the Lord. You have a wealth of that if you've received it from the Lord as well. And I, I say this so we can think about that, you know, that, that we're more discerning about the needs of others, but that we're also more discerning about our own, our own hearts. You know? Um... Because we, we, we want to seek to obey the Lord in this call to, to not steal and, and to give. To work hard and, and show generosity. And so, you know, um, that's what we're aiming for. Now, before we, we pray, I told you this would be short today. This is the, this is the short version of our service. Uh, but let me just give you a little bit of instruction. First of all, if, if you're a Christian, put off stealing. Okay, whatever that looks like in your life, whether we're talking BitTorrent or cheating on your test, um, <clears throat> you know, taking product from your, where you work, things you know are stealing, <clears throat> put it off. Uh, be done with it. There is this, this weight lifted when, when we can find ourselves even just confessing that sin to begin with. Um, you know, to the Lord. And, and then repent of it. Uh, meaning, you know, fix what you can, but commit to steal no more. That's not who you are in Christ. That's not meeting any of your, your, your needs. It's something you want. Um, and that, that might mean that you don't actually get to watch that movie you want to watch. Right? It might not be possible. You might not be able to find it any other way. Uh, that also might mean your classmate who's cheating is going to get a better grade than you. That's okay, okay? God's calling us to this obedience. There's an eternal picture here that's way more important then whatever grade you're going to get through some dishonest means. Uh, <clears throat> and the other side of this is, if you're not stealing, but you're also not giving to those who have need, you've you got to confess that at some point we've stopped short of actual full obedience to God and His Word here. Um, he gives to you, and now we respond by, by giving to those in need. And that means you, you start praying. If you're married, start praying with your spouse and, you know, pray together and ask this. You know, Lord, who has needs that we can meet? <clears throat> All right? This isn't just about just go throw money at the closest person so you can check it off your list, but, but actually be thinking about, you know, who has needs that we can meet? 
Show us, Lord. Um, and, and do so out of a, a desire to obey the Lord. But, but also, I want you to know this. You'll, you'll find that there is great joy in seeing your, your wealth meet the needs of others, either directly or through organizations, whether your wealth is money or something else that we mentioned earlier. Um, and, and remember this, you know, we are all needy. We all need grace. We all need forgiveness. And, and Jesus has earned grace and forgiveness on the cross for us. You know, in, in that sense, Jesus is just abundantly wealthy. And in that sense, he, he gives to us in the gospel to, to meet our need, our, our absolute greatest need. And so as we've received the generous grace of the Lord, let us generously give to others who, who have need in whatever way we might be able to. I hope you find this encouraging. I know, I, I love it, because we come to the Word and there's this recalibrating of, okay, I thought I was doing well in this area, maybe I'm not, and that's not a reason to walk out of here with shame. Walk in courage at, at the ability to, to see God's Word, learn from it, and be able to put it into practice through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to be more in, in line with what his word calls us to for his glory, our joy. Well, let's pray.